Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys found me at my little corner of the internet. And today I am thrilled to have Jennifer Hoffman on the show with me today. She is the founder of Life Options Network. And we're going to talk about the role of the church and what you can do to help foster a culture of life. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys. So uh, really quickly, before I jump on with my guest today, I want to remind you, we're doing a study at MomStrong International. You guys, this is important. All right. So for years and years and years, I've been talking about the importance of knowing God's word. We live in an incredible time in human history as a church. So we're watching uh, the church right now navigating what can only be described as an incredible deception coming down from the father of lies. The Bible teaches us that Satan is the father of lies. And right now, an amazing deception is being perpetrated against human beings so much to the point where we can't even say with any sense of confidence what men are and what women are, right? We've talked about this a lot at the culture right now, but the Bible teaches us that God created us male and female. God is the author of life. But for whatever reason, we have found ourselves at a crossroad in this country, particularly in the church. We're living in a generation of biblically illiterate Christians, meaning men and women who don't know God's word and can't defend it, but who self-identify as Christians. And we've got to change this in the church right now. We are experiencing an incredible opportunity as we sit on the cusp of the overturning of Roe v. Wade here in this country, something we've been praying for for a long, long time. But what it really means is that our work as the church is only just beginning. We need to understand why God values life and why we should value life as followers of Jesus. I'm really happy to have again on the show with me, uh, Jennifer Hoffman. She is the founder of the Life Options Network, and they are doing just an incredible job of valuing women and their babies. We really should love them both. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about what the ministry of uh, Life Options Network is and also kind of this lie that the pro-abortion industry has perpetrated that people who are uh, proponents of pro-life really are just pro-birth. If you didn't miss or if you didn't see that conversation yesterday, I want to encourage you to do it. But I'm really uh, thankful because Jennifer's agreed to come back on the show with me today. Jennifer, welcome back. Thank you for having us again. So excited to be here. You're welcome. So yesterday we touched on something and I really want to hit it today a little bit harder. Uh, And that is the issue of fatherlessness in the culture right now. So we've got a church, as you just heard me talk about, that really has limped its way uh, along for the past 50 years, uh, particularly as it relates to abortion. A lot of churches are, you know, they just don't want to touch it because it's political. It's a political football. And we'll get into that more in a moment. But we're also not talking, we, we want to talk about the fruit, right? So the fruit right. is an unplanned, the fruit might be an unplanned pregnancy, but we got a lot of root issues. One of those root issues is fatherlessness. How are you seeing this issue play out in the culture? Absolutely. It's a huge problem uh, when you have 56% of, of women uh, getting abortions because they, you know, uh, you know, they don't have a spouse. And, you know, that's, that's related, uh, to that issue. And so, uh, the fatherlessness issue is, is really essential. You've got, 
uh, children growing up, just, you know, not feeling supported, not feeling that anchor in the home, which is the father, you know, and coming into Father's Day, that's one of the commitments we had that we're going to talk about uh, the higher suicide rates among children. We're going to talk about the need for the father in the home. And that really, uh, it's incredibly sad to see that many times because women uh, don't understand their value because they didn't have fathers oftentimes to implement that value, to understand that God loves them so much that he doesn't want them uh, to just to just you know give themselves away necessarily in a culture that devalues women so deeply, which is really what we're seeing across the board is just a complete devaluation of of women and motherhood and, and just those standards. Uh, and so as as women are growing up with that, uh, they're just kind of not seeing the connection to that and you know being pregnant by themselves. Um, what I, what I want to say around that, uh, is that really God, the father has such a plan for these women and he sees the root. He sees those, his, that history, that, that lie that seeped in. And when you look at Adam and even the Bible, uh, you know, he told them who they were, uh, male and female and, you know, go forth and multiply and, you know, continues throughout the Bible to explain to people who they are and, and, you know, their value and that he loves them. Uh, and like I had mentioned the woman at the well and how he met her there where she was, you know, in sin, she was in, you know, circumstances that would have been condemned in many circumstances, uh, in their age and their time. Uh, and so I love that about God, that he, he, he will meet the need where there is deep need. Mm-hmm. And one of the great challenges that we have had as an organization is to trust him for that, to mm-hmm. trust him for uh, the abundance and just to see what he's done with very little. Uh, you know, when we first started this, we were not actually thinking about doing a free store. We were just thinking about advocacy, but then we started to get donations and we were filling up our garages and my friends were like, what are we going to do with all of this stuff? And ended up opening a storage unit in Vancouver to, to which, uh, we, uh, one of my folks who worked with us at the time, you know, made it beautiful. And we started to get lines out the door of women who wanted stuff and most of them in great need. And so that was really crazy to see. I'm like, wow, well, this is something that could really be important to the community as a whole, you know, and part of it too. I remember, uh, part of my story, my personal story is that we raised kids in a a very difficult financial situation. And I remember uh, at times having to choose between paying the rent and feeding the kids. And so when you're in that place and you don't know where to go and you don't know your resources to know that there was somebody there to catch you and to encourage you uh, is everything. And then to provide for you uh, to the best of our ability as the church. And I think that's another thing uh, that the church we know that we used to be most of the social services in the nation. Yep. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the government doing everything and let's make sure the government covers us. And when in reality, it should be the church. Uh, it should be God's people. And we do have an abundance. I think sometimes as Christians, we need to remember that we aren't in lack and we've seen it over and over. There was one day I remember, uh, at the the very beginning of the store being open in Vancouver, which was a huge jump for us to rent a facility uh, and just kind of like, okay, Lord, this is all you. Uh, and we got everything taken out. Everything was gone. Uh, everybody had come in and, and it was just, you know, no, nothing else left. And I thought, okay, Lord, well, 
that was a cool experiment. And I called. <laughs> now we have a storefront, nothing in it. Nothing else. Yes. And we're, you know, still have our advertisements out to the community. And I'm going, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. And so I called one of our board members and I just said, I don't know what to do. And she happened to know somebody who was finishing up a huge resale in Portland who, you know, just was nice and uh, called her right away. And she gave us everything, everything left over from that resale. And we filled up the store within a day. And that has been an amazing testimony to see God the Father pour back into, it's so encouraging to pour back into the store every single time. We started to get calls from the schools because, you know, they had heard we're a motherhood support organization. So we're getting the school districts calling us asking for uh, car seats, which were costing us two to $300 every time. And I am unwilling to not give. This is something that I am committed to. We are going to give, we are going to be generous. And so I would just, we would pay for it and believe for the funds to come in. And uh, we just got a a really great relationship with a company uh, through a friend of a friend that's giving us a dozens and dozens of car seats now. Uh, we just gave away 12 car seats to teen parents this week. And uh, through our, and then we have a teen parent program. So when wow. uh, t- teenagers get pregnant, they can come to us. We'll provide for them and then just connect with them and let them have fun because they're still teenagers, you know, uh, give them something healthy and, you know, godly to do on a Friday uh, and just c- connect with other teens who are in their circumstance. Mm, it's so important. And it really what you're doing, and I, I love this so much when Chloe was telling me about how excited she was to be working with you guys, is just fostering a culture of life. And right now, we really live in a culture of death. And we're seeing this in every area of of, uh, of the culture here, particularly in Western civilization. You don't see this so much. You go to Africa, you don't see this as much, right? No. Uh, but mm-hmm. here in the United States, we really do not value life. And we're watching this as true, uh, particularly as it relates to our unborn uh, we know that there's a disproportionate number of children with disabilities that are slaughtered in the womb. This was sort of my story, you know, years and years ago, uh, our second pregnancy, our daughter, we went in for a routine ultrasound and they had us go back to a genetic specialist in, in at Emmanuel Hospital in Portland because they told us that our daughter was not measuring correctly, that her heart looked like it was enlarged that she was at severely high risk for Down syndrome. And so we did, I think, three or four different ultrasounds. Well, Jay and I had already made the decision that even if our daughter was diagnosed with uh, Down syndrome or any other uh, any other disability or even disease, that we would not take her life, that that was not our uh, role. Our life, our job was to give her life and it was God's job to bring healing to her if that was what was going to happen. But the most fascinating thing about that was the pressure that we felt almost immediately to abort her. Yeah. And they brought a specialist in. They uh, they brought one doctor in in particular. Here, Jay and I are very young, you know, in our 20s. And we're sitting in this uh, this doctor's office at Emmanuel and all these degrees on the wall. And you feel like you don't know what you're doing. And you're just these young parents. And they said it would be more humane for us to abort. They said, your daughter is right, you know, hovering right at 20 weeks. It's a relatively easy procedure. Well, by that time, I'd already felt her kick. And I remember just looking at this this young doctor right in the eyes. My husband and I just sitting there, both of us in tears and saying, this is our daughter. We will not, we will not take her life. And of course, the Lord and, you know, uh, the Lord just got us through that. But I remember feeling that day as we left the office, as we left the hospital, 
completely hopeless and just feeling like, okay, we're going to do this thing. And we loved our daughter, you know, and actually it was a miracle. She was born just a few months later, perfectly healthy. Nothing was wrong at all. And I wonder, you know, uh, how many parents have taken the lives of their children because they were told, oh, your child's going to have a birth defect or your child has Down syndrome. My niece, Kendall, was born a few years later. She does have Down syndrome. And I can tell you right now, that child is a delight. She's an absolutely delightful human being. And the idea that we are placing value on another human life just because they don't meet a set of standards that we think they should meet is a tragedy. You guys are speaking into that and really creating a culture where we value human life by virtue of the fact that God said that it's valuable, right? Absolutely. Uh, it is It is incredibly uh, sad how people, uh, you know, who with disabilities have been targeted. And, you know, really uh, just anybody that has been deemed, you know, not wanted back in the 1950s and 60s, which is crazy to me because they're always talking about, you know, we need to speak up for minority communities. We need to speak up for those with disabilities and all of this. But then when it comes to the womb, there's a double standard. 100%. Yep. Yeah. And so, and that's, that's really what we're up against to say, uh, actually, no, these people, these are people that have value who are no better uh, or no worse than anybody else out there. We are all equal in the eyes of God. And I will not be uh, given a lie so that you can make $500 or yeah. more off of yeah. this abortion. And yeah. that's really the sad part is it comes down to money. You know, uh, when you look at Planned Parenthood and a $1.6 billion budget that they have annually, it's it's an industry. So what's crazy about uh, you know, the women's march and what, what we would call the pro-abortion march is that they're literally advocating to be taken advantage of as women. Yes. And it's it's incredible to me that they haven't yet seen that, hey, why aren't we talking about the real issues, issues women face? Why aren't we coming around women? Why aren't we supporting them in pregnancy? Why don't we talk about things like childcare? Uh, let's push our culture to to be there for the father, you know, the husbandless and, you know, all of those things. Why are we talking just about abortion? Uh, because there's an industry that wants them to talk about that and they've been deceived. And so we get to, uh, as the pro-life movement as a whole, bring value back into yeah. uh, the devalued. So Yeah, it's true. And that devaluing starts very, very young. You alluded to it yesterday morning uh, at the start of our interview when you were talking about uh, the comprehensive sex education that's in our schools now, which is really promoting promiscuity and very dangerous sexual practices and teaching our children that they're nothing more than animals, that they can't control a basic sexual urge, which is totally false. But at the end of the day, the one who benefits from this is the abortion industry, which is why they're pushing this stuff so hard in our schools. They know that the as uh, promiscuity grows in the schools, their numbers also will expand and they'll make money off of these unplanned pregnancies. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to touch on the topic of the role of the church. So important for every person that's listening to this today to recognize you actually have a voice and it's time for you to use it. Uh, we're going to talk about that when we come back. We'll be right back. So Jennifer, before the break, uh, I was talking just moment for a moment about the role of the church. This is vital, 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 vital. And as a as a candidate for Congress, you know, I'm running for Congress right now in uh, Southwest yes. Washington. And I can tell you that the church, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, is full of cowards. 
the number of pastors who are unwilling to allow even a political conversation in their churches. This is a shameful time. I'll hear them say, well, we're just devoted to the gospel. Well, the gospel is about saving human lives. The gospel first, right? We, we teach uh, people that God loves them. But, it, but the church's responsibility is so much greater than that. And when we decided to remove ourselves from the political conversation, we removed ourselves completely. And the church sat by idly. And we have for decades now as Tens of millions of our unborn have been murdered on our watch. This is the watch of the church. And I'm curious to know what your experience has been. Do you see it getting better? And then uh, I really want to touch on what the role is right now of the church and how people can get involved. Yeah, I, I got, I'm not going to lie. It's been very hard, uh, incredibly difficult to, you know, get some pastors on board. Uh, and I think it has been probably the most challenging and, and maybe partly heartbreaking thing in this work is you have millions of babies dying, over 850,000 dying in our country every year. And pastors have uh, a fear about you know, getting called out or maybe being shunned. I don't totally know. Uh, I do see some shifting uh, with some communities. And those are the firebrands. Those are the people that we get excited about because they have to talk about it. When you know that up to 40% of a congregation of women in churches are getting abortions regularly because there hasn't been a conversation by the church. When you know that statistic, it's James Dobson, and you look at that and uh, you see that, which I think, sorry, he got that from Care. care uh, but that's a tragedy because they are not being told it's a moral wrong. Well, it's avoidable. That's it's what's avoidable. so crazy to me. This is the one of the primary tenets of the Christian faith is that we def- we stand for life. The Bible teaches us that God so loved the world that he sent yeah. his only begotten son so that no one would perish. And here on our watch, we're allowing people to perish. The Bible says that we are to rescue those who are being led away to death. Yes. And that is, if that's not the role of the church, then the church has no role. Mm. Right. And well, and that's the thing too. And I think just an equipping and equipping is needed because I, um, I think that it, it had, they had, maybe when they have tried to approach it, they haven't done it in a way that made, made it a powerful enough punch, if that makes sense. Speaking about it is one thing. And that's, that's a huge point. We just need them to talk about it. That's one thing, but there also needs to be now, where do the women go? Uh, that, that they need to be, where's the net? Okay. So you're, there's a girl in your church. She's 16. She's pregnant. What do you do with her? And so that's one thing we're excited to do. We're excited to connect to churches, to equip them. This is what you do next. And, uh, also we're going to do the heavy lifting for you on that end. So you can send her our way. We will take care of her. We will bless her. We'll make sure she has an advocate to walk with her, uh, not only for her pregnancy, but after. And, you know, so that's really, uh, hopefully a draw to pastors that we're not here, uh, trying to make their lives more difficult or anything like that. We're really saying we're going to partner with you. And yes, you do need to be using your voice because you will save lives because you have a platform. And if God's given you a platform, well, Jennifer, you're nice. You're nicer than me. I mean, let's be honest. All right. So you're, you're nicer than me. I'm actually, I am beyond, beyond, beyond giving these pastors any more yeah. passes. I'm telling people, listen, if you're going to a church 
and your pastor won't speak up about the issues that are killing our culture on a regular basis, gender identity, abortion, homosexuality, all of it. If you've got a pastor who's a chicken from the pulpit and won't talk about this stuff, uh, run. Find a church that will, because we 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 give these pat. You know, I I've I've sat. My husband was a pastor for twenty years, right? And so I'm very familiar. We graduated from Multnomah School of the Bible back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Jay and I have been in ministry for a very long time, and I frankly am tired. I am fed up with pastors saying, "Well, we just don't want to divide our church." Okay, well, you know what? You don't get to be a pastor anymore, at least not a real one, because Jesus said, "I didn't come to bring peace, but yeah, a sword." Amen. And the message that he brought divided people. And so if you want to speak for truth right now, guess what? You're going to hurt people's feelings. People are going to get upset. People might leave your church. How about you do what's right and stop worrying about whether or not people would leave your church? I'm fed up. We've got children, young girls who need the help of the church, babies who are literally being murdered in their mother's womb. The fact that the church has not been at the front of this is a blight on us as a nation and a blight on the church. Absolutely. And unless and until we stop making excuses for them, I just don't think it's worth it. I don't want to tiptoe around it anymore. You know, I I taught on the book of Revelation here a couple of years ago. I wrote a study called People Get Ready. And one of the things that I learned in reading through the book of Revelation is if you look to the last chapter of the book of the Bible, one of the things that God says condemns people to hell, one of the very first uh, things on that list is Mm -hmm. cowardice. It's cowardice. God hates it. You know, and here we are in Pride Month, right? We're in the month of June. And I'm watching a pastors are just, we're just not going to, we just, we just, you know, let's touch it. We don't want to touch And same with abortion. You know, we got to start speaking Absolutely. out. Uh, the Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And if we want to see blessing return to our nation, the very first thing we got to do is stop murdering children yeah. in the womb. Absolutely. So you guys have a chance. You have a chance. So life options, uh, I want to get, I want to get to the, to the network so that uh, we've got, about two minutes left here. In your um, in your ministry and what you're doing, and let's say there's a pastor listening to this or a women's ministry leader, and they're like, all right, we want to partner. Because I know they can certainly do what I'm doing, which is to support you guys financially every month. How do people begin to get involved in what you're doing and bring this ministry to the attention of their churches? Absolutely. Well, we would love to connect with them one-on-one first, just to kind of you know uh, hear their heart. Uh, but yeah, they can connect at lifeoptionshelp at gmail.com. Send us an email. Uh, let us know you're interested. We want to talk to the church. We need to talk to the church. Uh, we believe that if we partner with churches, if they have a room, uh, even just like an eight by 10 room, we can turn it into a life options network with their partnership. It's very simple. Uh, and we really want to talk to them about how to use their voice uh, within their church to be encouraged and uh, to have courage to speak on this issue. So lifeoptionshelp at gmail.com. And then uh, if you want to do that, and then in terms of donations, lifeoptionsnetwork.org slash donate, uh, you'll find a donate button there and you can support monthly. So that's how we go. Yeah. And the truth is, you know, I, I've been telling people this for a long time, but I, I'm feeling it more now as a candidate for Congress. Uh, Christians need to start putting their money where their mouth is. So if you see someone who's doing something that's worthwhile uh, how about you skip your, you know, your little coffee habit that you're now, what are we paying now for coffee? Seven, seven bucks a cup or something ridiculous like that. And actually put it into kingdom work. Christians are very, very hard pressed to part with their money, particularly in an economy, which is as upside down as this one is. I understand gas prices are crazy. The cost, the cost of food. I just went to Costco the other day. You know, Jay and I have raised seven children on a very small budget. Most of our kids are grown now. 
But I went to Costco. What what would have normally been, you know, a five hundred dollar trip cost me pretty darn close to seven hundred and fifty dollars. So people are being squeezed right now. There's no question. But in the kingdom of God, and you said it best, and I'm going to end with this: we are a kingdom uh, that believes that God is the provider. We are not a kingdom of lack. We are a kingdom. The God's kingdom is a kingdom of abundance. And the Bible promises that you will receive a blessing as you begin to let go of the things that we hang on to so closely and we invest in what God says is worthy of investment. And that's certainly the case for uh, Life Options Network. And uh, Jennifer, I'm so thrilled to hear about what you're doing. And I just, I, I pray that God blesses it. I hope that this podcast brings you guys some much needed support and more volunteers and a greater network of churches. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's just been a great delight to have you. Thank you for having us. It's been an honor. Appreciate it. For more information on Life Options Network and the ministry that they are uh, bringing to communities to support uh, mothers and their babies, please go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. This is a conversation whose time has come, and we are very excited to be able to bring it to you today. Have a great day, everybody, and I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.